Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And it's been a couple weeks since our last show. Our office kind of shuts down for a little bit of a July 4th holiday, which is very nice. But, uh, you know, normally this time of year, there's not just uh, a whole lot of news or a whole lot going on. But there has been a little bit more news since we last did our show because the last time we were here we didn't actually know uh, what was going to happen with the Jameis Winston suspension. Now we do have some certainty on how many games he's going right. to be missing and we I know that I'm sure we're going to get a million questions about that. So at this point what yeah. do we know and, and how you feel like you see that affecting those right. first three games? Last, last time we were on there was sort of the there were reports out there right. that it was going to be a three game suspension which proved to be true but uh, we, we said at the time that we really couldn't go very far with it because it was not official. But since then, the league made its official ruling. It will be a three-game suspension to start the season. James Winston can still come to training camp and play in all the preseason games, but then he'll miss the first three games. And, uh, you know, Jameis made his statement afterwards. The team made their statement afterwards. So from that standpoint, we have clarity, uh, at least for the, you know, for the short term. So that's what we know, three games. And so, of course, now you start discussing what does, how, what are the consequences of that? Who will be at quarterback in those three games? How well will that person do? What will it be like when Jameis comes back? That sort of thing. So, of course, we can discuss those things. I'm sure fans want to do that. Uh, the obvious uh, the answer for those first three games is Ryan Fitzpatrick, but we can't really count out Ryan Griffin because they he's been around for about three seasons now, and they went in the two Ryans went into last year's training camp in pretty much an equal battle. Right. It became a moot point because Ryan Griffin hurt his shoulder, but I would think that the Bucks still feel just as good about him, so he'll get every chance to compete. But the obvious answer is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right, exactly. And, yeah, and just to make sure everyone knows if they're new to the show, we are taking questions from all of you. Uh, the questions will be on Facebook. So depending on where all you're watching this, head over to the Facebook page and send in some of those on the actual live video. Looks like um, we're getting some already. We're already. Yeah, we're already getting some things come in here as well. So you talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Griffin, that um, that it was a pretty interesting competition last year. What do you remember about essentially we, we got to see Ryan Fitzpatrick in – uh, regular season games last year. What do you remember about what we saw from him yeah. in those games and yeah. then what we saw from Ryan Griffin before right. that injury? Well, Ryan Griffin was looking good before he got injured and it was going to be an un- it was going to be a difficult situation, I think. A good problem to have because the reason you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick is you know what he can do. Uh, he's a very known commodity with over 100 starts. He's he's had some really big numbers in some places. He, he's obviously a very smart guy. The team believed he could pick things up quickly. He could step in and keep the offense operating at the level it was with Jameis. And that's what happened in those three games that he started. I mean, right. we won two of them, and he was pretty good in, in those games, pretty productive. In, in addition, he also had a really nice second half in Arizona, making the Bucks a pretty good yeah. comeback that didn't quite pan out uh, after Jameis hurt his shoulder the first time. So, uh, you know, it's easy to – it would be the easiest answer would be to say, well, we've seen that he can do it, so he's the obvious guy. But Ryan Griffin was looking pretty good beforehand. If if I have to be the one to make that decision, like if they had to decide at the end of training camp last year which Ryan to keep, if Ryan Griffin had done continued to do well throughout the preseason, I think that would have been tough. Right. It also would have been tough to decide, well, are we going to keep two or are we going to keep three? And by the time they had to make that decision, uh, it was midseason because Ryan Griffin had been put on injured reserve and then we'd used one of our options to take him off. And we still had Jameis, but he was banged up, and we had um, Ryan Griffin starting. So it was an easy decision just to activate Ryan Griffin Griffin and roll with all three of them you know I know because he said it once uh, early last year that if he had if everything worked out the way he wanted Dirk Cutter would prefer to just keep two quarterbacks Mm -hmm. on the 53-man roster which a lot of teams do now that you don't have that third inactive game day option anymore so uh, you know that's probably kind of cleared up in this case to start the season because 
with Jameis unavailable for the first three, it would seem very likely you would keep Ryan Fitzpatrick and Ryan Griffin for those three games. Uh, the only other option right now is the undrafted rookie, Austin Allen, um, who off the top of my head would seem like a good bet to make the practice squad, but not necessarily the active roster. And, uh, and so you keep those two, and then the question becomes, again, when Jameis comes back, do you go down to two, which means somebody has to go, or do you keep three for the rest of the year? Okay. That'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, we had a question from Michael. He said, do you think this makes it more likely that the Bucks are going to go very run-heavy to start the season without Jameis? No, I don't think so. And I, I do think the Buccaneers would like to run the ball more, which is going to be involved running the ball more effectively than they did last year or the last two years. I think the ideal is you would look at 2015, which was – Dirk Cutter's first year, he was the offensive coordinator, but he, so he was here calling plays. The Bucks, Doug Martin had a really good year, and the Bucks running game was very good that, that year. Uh, Jameis was still young. Mm-hmm. He was a rookie, and so he probably they probably wanted to give him as much support in the running game as possible, but I think what you saw was a pretty balanced attack. And, right. and that's what coaches will say a lot of times. This is the hardest offense to defend is a balanced one because you mm-hmm. don't know what's coming. So I don't think it would. I would use the term run heavy because it's not like you really need to protect Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think. Um, but I do think just in general that we'll want to run the ball more, and that's going to involve doing it more effectively, right. which comes down to two things. How how big of a factor is Ronald Jones? And I think they think he's going to be a big factor. Mm-hmm. And does the reshuffled offensive line perform better than they did last year? Okay, which amazing segue. You Thank didn't you even much. know that that's where we were heading here, but Gerald wants to know how good does the offensive line look so far? Well, no, that's an unanswerable question mm-hmm. at the moment, as we've said, because the one thing you really can't judge – in off-season workouts is how good the offensive and defensive lines are because they really can't hit each other. I mean, you can't see a lot of these guys we brought in, like Ryan Jensen and the um, the rookie Alex Kappa, a big part of their scouting report, and it still has to be proven on the field for us, is how aggressive and you know borderline nasty, that good nasty that people mm-hmm. use to describe offensive linemen. And so that can't come out yet. Right. Um, so we'll see in training camp. But on paper, I like it. I think there's some question marks. You know, the health of DeMar Dotson and who's going to start at right guard. The team seems to be kind of high on Caleb Beninock. I think he's probably the favorite there, and that's a good thing. Right. But I th- still think there's a lot to prove there. Okay. But from center over to left tackle, I like it. And partially that's because – I, I tend to believe our coaches who are a lot higher on Donovan Smith than a lot of the outside sources. Mm-hmm. And they see more of him in, in practice and yeah. know him a lot better than everybody else, for sure. Uh, Zach wants to know, is Justin Evans a starting safety this year? Well, he was last year, so yeah, I think so. And <laughs> that's a different way of getting the same question we get every week, which right. is who's going to start who's gonna start? Yep. He seems like the surest bet of all the safeties to be starting because he was the guy that from about week three or four on last year was the guy playing every snap starting every game and playing every snap. So he seemed like the one safety the Bucks were set on. Yeah, we need this guy on the field. Uh, Chris Conte, you know, he was out there a lot too and played well but also had to split some time with T.J. Ward. Mm-hmm. And then Keith Tandy didn't really get a lot of playing time because he was a little banged up. But go, roll back to 2016, and he had a really nice, like, five-game stretch as a starter. So always a good option there. But, yeah, I think Justin Evans is, is a pretty sure bet. Okay. Uh, Andre wanted to know, have the Bucks ever made a pick in the supplemental Ooh. draft? Yes, uh, but not for a long, long time. Uh, in 1987, uh, we chose Dan Cilio, a defensive tackle out of the University of Miami, and uh, it didn't really go very well. I think he played maybe like six games for us or ten games, something like that. I think he was only here for one year. Um, and he later became a member of the media around here, uh, had radio shows and so on. But, um, yeah, that that was – I think that's the only time we've ever done that, and that was, what, 30-something years ago? Mm-hmm. It's not very common. And, uh, you know, you lose the draft pick that you use – 
the next year. So yeah. there hasn't even been anybody picked in the last, I think, three supplemental drafts. But there was – did it happen? It was supposed to happen. That's how little publicized this thing is. Right, that's true. It's I not a, it was coming. Yeah, I, it's, not, it's not very highly publicized, which is interesting. I mean, why, do, you, do you feel like – I just feel like it's interesting that the Bucks have found so many – players from unlikely places in some ways sure. of either unlikely schools or yeah. I mean even Anthony Auclair coming from Canada and that it's interesting that the supplemental draft isn't well a bigger it's deal. just that there's often not a lot of players that are um that you deem worthy of putting a draft pick on you know to be in the supplemental draft you're you had to have been in a situation where you you didn't declare or weren't eligible for the regular draft, but something changed after that, like something at their school situation. Maybe something happened and they lost their last year of eligibility or something. Mm-hmm. And so there's only three or four guys that fall into that category every year, and usually they're guys that even if you like them a little bit, you figure, well, we'll see if nobody gets drafted, then they can sign with somebody. So you don't necessarily have to to use a draft pick on one of those guys. Right. I think there was one cornerback in this one, who was considered a guy that might get drafted and be the first guy drafted in the last few years, I know the Bucks didn't do it. I can't recall if that happened and he got drafted, but um, I think that's just that's the reason the supplemental draft really isn't all that fruitful most of the time. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Michael wants to know who's the favorite to win kick return, punt return duties. Boy, I like that question a lot, and I'm hoping that it's asked again a little later because it's hard to call. I guess right now you just go with the incumbents. I, I know from talking to our special teams coach, Nate Katzer, that they like what Adam Humphreys does on punts and what Jack Quiz does on kickoffs. I don't think either of those guys has produced a, a ton of dynamic plays, but they're smart guys. They do the right thing. I know um, uh, Nate – Katzer raves about Jacquez Rogers and how he just mm-hmm. he's really apparently and so does so do the offensive coaches this is apparently like a really smart guy yeah. and really football smart as well and he he always does he knows what he's doing and does the right things and so that's that's a baseline to start with at any position you don't want to mess up plays on returns right that's right. you, you want to start with baseline of this guy's going to handle the ball well and make the right decisions and hopefully at least get you back to the 25 right. or choose not to run it out when you shouldn't run it out. Yeah. That said, I think in an ideal world, the Bucks would prefer to find some young player uh, who has, is a much more dynamic opportun- option back there. And mm-hmm. so I would go with the incumbents as a favorite, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if a guy like, and I don't know, you know, maybe MJ Stewart or um, – uh, Jordan Whitehead, who did some running back. I mean, he hasn't had a lot of returns, but he's played offense. Right. Somebody like that giving you – or um, the the running back from Duke, Sean Wilson, mm-hmm. the undrafted rookie. He could be a guy that could actually earn a spot on the roster specifically for, for that. that. yeah. So, and then we shouldn't forget that Bernard Reedy is back, and he yeah. was our punt returner, and they liked him. He just lost his roster spot when there was a lot of injuries, and we had to make some moves. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Christopher – well, we, I'll combine a couple of questions here. Christopher um, wants to know how the defense is looking, and will we get more sacks? Brandon was asking, of the new guys via free agency or draft, uh, who is impressing you on the defensive side? Okay. Um yeah, I think we'll get more sacks because it would be hard to get fewer. We were last in the league with 22, and, I mean, that's that's a bad number. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just I, – I acknowledge the fact that every move that you make isn't going to work, right. especially in free agency. And we can take just this one simple example like Michael Johnson. That was supposed to be a, a guy that was really going to change our pass rush and didn't really work out. So, yes, those moves cannot work out. But there, we made so many of them that even if most of them work out, it should be a big improvement. Vinnie Curry, Jason Pierre-Paul. Mitch Unrein, uh, Vita Vea, uh, J- how you said Jason Pierre-Paul? I'm, I'm missing one of them. Bo Allen. Bo Allen. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of new pieces. Right. All of them, except for Vita Vea, are relatively proven players. And, and some of them proven pass rushers, in especially JPP and Curry. Uh, 
some of those are going to work out. Hopefully all of them work out. But even if they don't, we have to have more sacks this year just from that being able to run in a rotation like that. And, yeah. You know, even if Vita Vea doesn't prove to be a big sack guy in his first year, he's going to make a difference just by clogging up blockers mm-hmm. and giving guys one-on-one opportunities. And same thing with Bo Allen. So, yeah, we'll get more sacks. Who's been most impressive so far? It, again, go, right. going back to what we said before, it's hard to say that about any of the linemen, although – Watching 350-pound Vita Vea go through those drills and looking like he's a 300-pound guy the way he moves yeah. is impressive. But we'll see how that translates. Uh, so I'd probably go with um, Carlton Davis. Okay. Uh, Gary said, how does our linebacker situation look this year? Well, it looks really obvious in two of the starting spots, both Levante and Quan are healthy and Pro Bowl caliber players. They should obviously be starting in those spots and producing big plays. Uh, I think if he recovers in time from his ankle injury, he got in a car accident, Kendall Beckwith is is the very obvious third starter. Mm -hmm. And even the reserves are pretty well-known commodities. Darius Taylor, Cam Lynch, Mm -hmm. uh, Devontae Bond. So it it looks like a pretty solid group right there. Um, The one big unknown is Jack Sitchie, the draft pick. And Mm -hmm. I think he would have gone higher than the sixth round if he hadn't hadn't hurt his knee and missed all of his last season at Wisconsin. So he's healthy and running around. Uh, so if he forces a way into the picture, that'd be interesting. But otherwise, I would say linebacker is one of the most set positions on our on our roster. Interesting. Uh, I think we're going to get this question a lot probably over the next few weeks and through training camp. Uh, Tyrone wants to know uh, how much we'll see Chris Godwin on the outside and, and Jackson in the slot to take advantage of his speed there. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, when that topic has come up, uh, Deshaun – and the coaches have been a little vague about it, but I wouldn't call it outright denials that that might happen, right? I, I, and I can understand that. You, you know, if if they were developing a bunch of plays for Deshaun Jackson in the slot, does it make a lot of sense to really give out all those details? Right. Uh, but we'll see it on the practice field during training camp, so we'll get a little better feel for it then. But I, I think you're going to see you're going to see some of that because they've got to figure out a way to get Chris Godwin on the field. You know, All right. And that seems yeah. like one good way to do it. Yeah, that's very true. All right, that's going to do it for us here on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks, as always, for your questions, and we'll see you right back here every week.